This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, we have a really good show for you today. I have a lot of topics that I want to touch on, some things that I didn't get to talk about last week during the first full week of the 2021-22 NHL regular season. We're off to the races. There's no more early season. I mean, it is still early season, but as of right now, we are a full go on the NHL regular season. Lots of storylines to talk about. It was a fun weekend across the NHL, and we'll talk about most of the storylines here in today's Tuesday episode. I'm still workshopping a lot of this podcast, to be completely honest. I know on my Friday episodes, I'm going to have the three stars of the week every Friday. I need kind of a pinpoint Tuesday episode segment. So I got I to gotta workshop that a little bit. So we basically have a full episode of Coast to Coast with Nick Berlansky, talking about the main storylines across the NHL. We're going to have that for the entirety of this episode. But as I mentioned, I'm going to workshop and I'm going to figure out a fun little segment idea for Tuesdays because it's always more fun when we have a segment to look forward to. So I will obviously keep you guys up to date with that. But as of right now, we're going to have a basically full episode of Coast to Coast with Nick Berlansky. And I want to start off On the Pacific Coast, and as far north and west Pacific as you can get in the United States, not necessarily the NHL, we're starting out in Seattle. I've talked a lot about the Seattle Kraken for obvious reasons to start this season, and we're going to mention a lot of firsts for the Seattle Kraken throughout the first half, if not the entirety of this regular season, but another massive one for them. The Seattle Kraken hosted their first home game over the weekend on Saturday night, on national television, on ESPN. And as part of that, they were hosting what seems to be, or what the NHL is trying to push as, one of their biggest rivals right out of the gate. And that's the Vancouver Canucks. Obviously, proximity is a main reason for that rivalry, also in the same division. So they will see each other as many times as you can see another team in the NHL schedule the way it's built. But the Seattle Kraken, unfortunately, did not win that game. They lost by a score of 4-2. to They were in the game for a while, but Vancouver was able to pull away late and get the victory, which is huge for the Vancouver Canucks because they're trying to figure out who they are this season after a down year last year. So far this season is kind of what you expect from the Vancouver Canucks. A little bit of this, where they look like a promising team in the Pacific, and a little bit of the other side, which is what we saw mostly last season. But... As far as the home opener for the Seattle Kraken, I mean, the crowd was raucous. You could tell that Seattle is ready for NHL hockey. The arena looked gorgeous. I I love the two jumbotrons on either end instead of the one traditional one in the middle. I thought the arena itself, Climate Pledge Arena out there in Seattle, looks gorgeous. I would love to be able to see a hockey game there, but at the same time, I sit here right now, the only 
NHL game that I've seen. I mean, I've seen a bunch of them live, but they've all been at PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh. So I got to expand on the Eastern Seaboard before I have hopes of going out there and, and catching a cracking game in Seattle. But the arena looked gorgeous. The fans were ready. The entire, I mean, the home jerseys looked gorgeous as well. We obviously had seen them before, but seeing them in action in that arena, in that atmosphere, was even better. One thing that they did do that is a little bit different than what we normally see, they retired a number. (laughs) They retired a number before they even played a game in the arena. They retired the number 32 in honor of the 32,000 ticket deposits made on the first day that tickets were available in Seattle. Obviously, the ownership up there and the leadership of the Seattle Kraken truly appreciate everything that they have gotten from the fans, all the support that they have gotten. And that's why they're honoring them with a retired number. Now, 32 itself is not really a number that is widely used in the NHL, but they've done something that, I mean, you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, they only have two retired numbers. They've been in the league for 50, what, 54, 55 years now? Seattle Kraken in less than half a season, and they have already retired a number, and that is the number 32. A nice nod to their fans, though. I I like that. It's a little bit different, and they've already mentioned that they're going to do things a little bit differently. They're going to do the NHL. They're going to do business slightly different than you've seen before, and this is just part of it. This is part of the Seattle Kraken experience. Now, unfortunately, the other part of the Seattle Kraken experience so far has not been winning. After that loss, they move to 1-4-1 and to start the season. Not a great start. The excitement is still there. The excitement is still there in their fan base. The excitement is there across the entire NHL. Every time you see the Kraken on the marquee, you get excited because it's new. It's different. And it's going to be that way for this entire season. They, they could finish last in the Pacific, and it's still going to be exciting because they're building something up there in Seattle. Obviously, the high expectations, thanks to the Vegas Golden Knights, but you just hope that they can be competitive. And so far, they've shown that they can be at least that. So as far as the fact that they're 1-4-1 already, you know, obviously not the best of starts, but I'm still keeping my eye on the Seattle Kraken. We'll see how their season progresses as their team kind of falls into place. You also have to think these guys have really, most of them have never played together before. So there might be a chemistry issue as well. We'll keep an eye on the Seattle Kraken. But another first that is out of the way for Seattle is they have now hosted a home game. Next thing would probably be their first home win. So we'll see if that happens later this week. I want to keep it in the Pacific Division here in this segment. I want to talk about the Edmonton Oilers. I gave my first ever hockey hotbed three stars of the week on my Friday episode last week. And I gave it to Tyler Bertuzzi in Detroit was the third star. Ange Kopitar was the second. And I gave the grade eight Alex Ovechkin my first star of the week for week one of the NHL season. It very easily could have gone to Connor McDavid. He very easily could have been on that short list that I made. But at this point, I mean, I'm going to give him credit because he is just doing ridiculous things. But at this point... Are we not almost expecting him to do something amazing every year? He's at that point in his career where he's just a cheat code. And so is Leon Dreisaitl. It's not like Dreisaitl is too much further behind him, but Connor McDavid himself is just 
a cheat code. The question has been, can he get this team to find success in the postseason? Now, we can't answer that question yet. We're not going to be able to answer that question until April or May or June. But so far, so good. I mean, the returns are great for the early season Edmonton Oilers. As it stands right now, the Oilers are 5-0-0 on the season. One of the few remaining undefeated teams in the NHL. Connor McDavid, or McJesus as some people call him. I mean, rightfully so. If you look the way that he played last season, if you look the way that he's played so far this season in five games. 13 points in five contests. And it's not like he's doing it in a sneaky fashion. He is in-your-face greatness so far this season for the Edmonton Oilers. When I look at this team on paper, I, it, I have the same questions. Is the depth there? Is the defense good enough? More specifically, is the goaltending good enough? Mike Smith, I mean, he's old. I hate to use that, but he is old, and he's already facing injuries. Miko Koskinen, so far, so good. I mean, I don't know how the long-term trust is there for him as a number one goalie in this league, but so far, so good on Miko Koskinen. You just hope the dam holds. The other thing that I, I, I mentioned there was depth. It's always been, you know, Connor McDavid is the best player in the NHL, and he is. Leon Dreisaitl is a Hart Trophy winner and an Art Ross Trophy winner. And he's doing that. I mean, he's not Art Ross quite because Connor McDavid is there. But Leon Dreisaitl has 11 points through five games. Also, not something to scoff at. Both of these guys could have been one of my three stars last week. And honestly, they're going to be in my three stars probably most of the weeks along the NHL season. I just kept them out of the first one. But Leon Dreisaitl, 11 points. Connor McDavid, 13 points. That's what we expect. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has looked pretty good so far this season. Jesse Puyo-Yarvi, he's looked pretty good this season already. He's, you know, pretty good player. But the other player, when you talk about the Edmonton Oilers, that has shown little spurts of a very, very fantastic play is Zach Hyman, former Toronto Maple Leaf. Now, I'm sure they wish they had a guy that has already had five goals on the season. Zach Hyman has just that. Five goals in five games for Hyman. Playing with his new line mate, Connor McDavid. You know, I was watching In the Crease, I believe it was over the weekend. It might have been Friday. And Barry Melrose, who, you know, I have my opinions on Barry Melrose. I just think he's not quite equipped for TV. But he did say something that, you know, Zach Hyman's probably thinking his lucky stars that he has Connor McDavid as his center now. I, I, I really had to think about that because Zach Hyman played on a line with Austin Matthews the past couple of seasons. It's not like he's going from playing with an AHL caliber center. He's going from playing with a Rocket Richard winner to an Art Ross trophy and a Hart trophy winner. Yeah, there's a step there. But the big thing to notice of all of this is Zach Hyman is a net front presence with a scoring touch. Yeah, he meshed well with Austin Matthews and he found success with Austin Matthews. But the level of playmaking ability 
that Connor McDavid has to find open you know, human beings and to elevate the people around him. I'm not saying Austin Matthews doesn't have that because he does. But Austin Matthews is inherently a trigger man. Zach Kaiman also being a trigger man, you see where there's not enough puck to go around? Wow, my voice just squeaked very badly. But you see where there's not enough puck to go around. Connor McDavid, you know, he'll get his goals. He'll also get way more than he needs in assists. And that's where Zach Hyman comes in. So that's where we see the success of the Edmonton Oilers early on in the year. Zach Hyman is finding the net. Zach Cassian's finding the net. I mean, not at the level that Hyman, McDavid, and Drysaddle are, but Zach Cassian already has a couple tucks. And then, of course, you have McDavid. You have Drysaddle. If I'm betting, and I usually am, it's usually a safe bet to bet the over in any game that the Edmonton Oilers are playing. And if you can get an over on Connor McDavid points, I would take it. I mean, you look at his average right now, he's getting close to three points a game, five games into the season. Small sample size. You know, that's what I'm going to be saying for the next two or three weeks. Small sample size. But the longer we go along and the more that we see these two point, three point games from him, the more we have to realize that in this time, in the salary cap era, we have not seen a player like Connor McDavid. Similar to how we have not seen a player like Alex Ovechkin with his goal-scoring prowess. Although, I mean, the argument can be made for Austin Matthews. He just needs to do it over a longer period of time. But the Edmonton Oilers, they're one of the few unbeaten teams left in the NHL. It also helps, I mean, Vegas is struggling. Obviously, I talked last episode about their injury issues, but with that aside, they're losing a lot of hockey games to start the year. And that, I think, just elevates Edmonton even more. They're now the class of the Pacific Division, a division that, coming into the year, I said was a weak division. I said Edmonton was in the top four. In my head, I put them at second behind Vegas. But, I mean, with the injury issues and with the start that Vegas has made, right now, Edmonton is the class of the Pacific Division. Right where they want to be. The true test will be in the postseason. But as of right now, they are impressing. And if they continue to do that, who's to say they won't be a President's Trophy candidate? Who's to say that they won't be a lock for the postseason? Which I think, I mean, it's early. So I'm not going to put a lock out there yet. But this team is good off the jump. And this team was expected to be good this year. So it's a nice sign for fans in Edmonton, Alberta. I'm going to take a quick break. When I return, we're going to move from the Pacific Northwest all the way down to the Florida coast. Talk about the goaltending situation for the currently, as of this recording, currently unbeaten Florida Panthers. I'll be right back after this quick break. NFL fans, are you hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It is that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings will not leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. 
bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. I really enjoy this vibe here, this kind of talk show vibe, kind of like tonight show vibe of music. But we continue here. <laughs> On the Hockey Hotbed, talking about the Florida Panthers goaltending situation. Coming into the season, when I previewed the Atlantic Division, I said a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon of the Florida Panthers. Well, I mean, they started off proving those bandwagon fans right. And I'm sure there's obviously a lot of true fans of the Florida Panthers. Sneaky, sneaky good fan base down there. But the Panthers are 5-0-0 to start the season. Now, this obviously comes out prior, or after, I should say, their game against the Arizona Coyotes. So they're either 6-0-0 as you're hearing this, or they're 5-1-1 or 5-0-1. One or the other, but either way, they've won five of their first six guaranteed. They might have won six of their first six. I don't know because it is 445 on Monday afternoon and they play at seven tonight. But either way, the Florida Panthers early in the season are meeting expectations, which is nice, especially when you have expectations as as high as they are for a team that hasn't gone deep in the playoffs in what, two decades? But a big reason for that, I mean, they have great coaching. They have really solid forward depth. They have a good decor. But a main reason for that is their goaltending. They lost a really good goaltender this offseason in Chris Drieger. He's up in Seattle. They lo- it's, it's hard to bounce back when you lose a goaltender of that caliber. Unless you have two more waiting in the wings. Not that Sergei Bobrovsky, by any means, has been waiting in the wings for anybody. But he has certainly come out of this gate this season. Full steam ahead. We've always known Sergei Bobrovsky is either going to be a world beater in net. Or he's going to be beaten like a red and mule in net. It's usually not an in-between. You're either going to get the Vezina Trophy guy. Or the guy that lost his job last year to Chris Drieger. One or the other. So far this season, we're seeing Vezina Trophy, Sergei Bobrovsky, and which is good if you're the Florida Panthers. I mean, you're paying him enough money. He's making $10 million on the salary cap every year for or five more seasons. It's not a small contract. You, you need a guy like that to perform. And so far this season, Sergei Bobrovsky has performed for the Florida Panthers. But coming into this season, the question was, How long is his leash before the young upstart Spencer Knight takes his spot? 
So far, Bobrovsky is fending him off. And he's doing it well. I mean, I mentioned that the Panthers are 5-0 and as of this recording. Sergei Bobrovsky has started and completed four of those games. So Bobrovsky's line as of right now, 4-0-0, undefeated. 1.99 goals against average. A 9.42 save percentage. And a 4.32 goal saved above average. Now that is, in all situations, not just 5-on-5. That includes power play time and penalty kill time. So in all situations, a 4.32 goal saved above average nets him at 4th in the NHL right now. At 5-on-5, he is 1st. I believe it's 4.34 goal saved above average. So out of the gate, he is one of the best goaltenders in the entire NHL. He is undefeated. He's giving up less than two goals a game. And when you have the offense that the Florida Panthers do, it's not going to make it too hard for them to win games. He's been on fire. He's been able to keep the youngster Spencer Knight at bay. Knight has had one start. He won that game. 1.01 goals allowed average, a 9.68 save percentage, and 1.79 goals saved above average. So Spencer Knight, in the one game that he's played, was spectacular. He was very solid in that game. But Sergei Bobrovsky, so far, has been able to keep the starters net for now. If both goalies play at this level, the hype might be real for the Florida Panthers. <laughs> the hype coming into this season was, hey, sneaky Stanley Cup contender. Yet, hey, they're a favorite in the Atlantic division. I poo-pooed it a little bit. I said, yo, let's, let's slow it down there a little bit. I do get that they finished second in the Central last year. I do get that they are a very good team. They made a nice addition in Sam Reinhart. You get a full season of Sam Bennett. That'll be nice. You add Jumbo Joe Thornton. Get one for the Gipper. On paper, I can't deny them. On the ice, I tried to a little bit. And so far, they've shoved it up my hoop. Which I'm fine with. You know, if, if you listen to me, you know I'm fine with it. And I understand that going into the future, having a goaltender make $10 million, that is aging is not the greatest of circumstances, especially when you have a young goaltender that has the hype that Spencer Knight does. How long do you want to keep somebody in front of Spencer Knight? That's a question for another day, though. If they're playing at this level, if Sergei Bobrovsky specifically is playing at this level and Spencer Knight is filling in well behind him, there is no issue this season. Yeah, you're kind of in a cap crunch, and if you want to add anything, you're not going to really get to. But your team right now is playing well. It's working as it is designed to work. You're not giving up many goals. You're scoring plenty of them. And both goalies, again, Spencer Knight only in one game, sample size. There's that phrase again. But both goalies, so far, are playing really well two weeks into the NHL season. Who cares about down the road right now? Isn't the point to win a Stanley Cup this year? Isn't it? I mean, we've looked early on in the season and some people that most guys and girls put their bets on to win the Stanley Cup, they haven't gotten off to a hot start. Opens the door for teams like the Florida Panthers who, you know, they were a dark horse before the season. Now they're one of the few remaining undefeated teams. The Edmonton Oilers, 
I spoke about them early in this episode. Opens the door. Hey, maybe it's more of a possibility for them. Why? The Colorado Avalanche, not a hot start. Tampa Bay Lightning, not the greatest start. And lose Nikita Kucherov once again. Vegas Golden Knights. Do they have a win? (laughs) I don't think. As of right now, at least. These teams that are supposed to be favorites are struggling early on. Meanwhile, a team that we thought, yeah, sneaky chance. They're performing and clicking on all cylinders. But the real question going through the season is going to be in net. We have to keep an eye on this, and I certainly will, because I'm intrigued to see what Coach Q does down there. You know, obviously, ride the hot hand. That's coaching 101. And Bobrovsky is the hot hand. A $10 million goaltender, surprise, surprise, is performing like a $10 million goaltender. So yeah, ride the hot hand. But you got to imagine that some people in that organization are, are getting an itchy trigger finger to see Spencer Knight in action. He looked great last year in the small sample that we saw him. So far this season, the one game that he's played, he looked good. We'll have to see. But as of right now, the Panthers are one of the top teams in the NHL. It is the last week of October, which means my November power rankings will be coming out in a week or two. And you better believe that the Panthers are trending upward and not downward. Not just to me, but to everybody across the NHL. So keep an eye on Sunrise, Florida. Keep an eye on the attendee talk in Sunrise, Florida. And we'll see how these two perform. Going to take one more quick break, but when we return, I'm going to talk about the Metropolitan Division because, oh man, are they off to a fiery start. All eight teams are off to a fiery start. We said early on that this division might be the best in hockey, and and there's a couple stats that two weeks in kind of proves that so far. Come right back after the break here on the Hockey Hotbed. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Segment number three here on the Hockey Hotbed, presented, as always, by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Cannot forget our sponsors, our our loyal sponsors. Visit DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code THPN at sign up. Great odds and opportunities. If you don't know how to get there, but you do follow us on social media, just scroll on under our pinned tweet. The first comment is a nice link to sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, promo code THPN. Thank you for joining me here on the 15th episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Just getting started, though. Make no mistake, we have not reached the ceiling here. Again, I keep saying we. It is just literally me and my two cats in this room right now. (laughs) Uh, Well, the Metropolitan Division. That's where we're going. That's where I told you we were going. Holy crap. You know, I I knew in the back of my head as I watched the action over the first two weeks of the season, I knew 
in the back of my head, I was like, you know, Metropolitan Division teams are winning a lot of games. Then you take a step back and you look at the standings. And then you take another step back and you do a little bit more of a closer look at the standings and a closer look at some of the action. And yeah, the Metropolitan Division. <laughs> a hot start, to say the least. So, of those teams, end of action on Sunday, October 24th. Because I'm recording this before any of the Monday games drop the puck. But up to this exact moment right now, the Metropolitan Division has combined for a total of 39 games. All eight teams, 39 games. Of those 39, only seven of those games ended in a regulation loss for a Metropolitan Division team. Now, there's a good bit of overtime losses. But in the standings, that's a pity point. When it comes to wild card berths, those are important points. Whether you like the system or not, I personally think I would like the regulation win is three points, overtime win is two, and an overtime loss is one. Shootout loss? I don't know. Maybe you don't even give a point. But I digress on the shootout. But yeah, 39 total games for Metropolitan Division teams, seven of them. Regulation losses. The other 32 split amongst wins and overtime losses and overwhelmingly more wins. To go even further into that, of those seven regulation losses, four of them were against other Metropolitan Division teams. So thus far, two weeks into the regular season, Metropolitan teams have lost a total of three games to teams outside of their own division. That's almost asinine. I mean... (laughs) You can call me a homer, but that's overwhelmingly the best division in hockey through two weeks. Going into right now, as I mentioned, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Washington Capitals have not lost in regulation. Again, there's some action to be had later tonight. Carolina plays Toronto. Washington plays... It's not Calgary because they played them over the weekend. Who do they play? They play in Ottawa against the Senators. But as of this recording, no regulation losses. As of when this comes out, the Penguins will still not have a regulation loss. The New York Rangers just completed a four-game road trip perfectly. 4-0-0. Not too shabby, including 3-0-0 in Eastern Canada, beating the Senators, the Canadiens, and the Maple Leafs now. Two of those three teams are in a sad state of affairs, and it's not the Ottawa Senators. Especially that Senators game was intriguing. Because the Sens had them pretty much all the way. Except for a 4 minute and 20 second span, where the Rangers scored three goals and won 3-2. Doesn't help that Matt Murray got injured by Chris Kreider's flying knee. Can't say that five times fast, I don't even know why. But the New York Rangers are heating up. Currently, I believe, leading this really tough division. They've played the most games, but still leading in points. None of these teams, as of right now, also have a negative goal differential. So, yeah, some of them have lost games, but none of them have a negative goal differential. The closest, I mean, the Islanders are at even, which is fine. A couple of teams are plus 11. I believe the Capitals are also plus eight in goals differential. 
So they're off to a hot start. All of them. Literally all of them. A big reason for that is goaltending. You talk about eight teams in the division, which means eight starting goaltenders. Five of them currently are in the top eight in goal saved above average. That's a stat that I like because it tells me which goaltenders are going above and beyond to make massive saves for their team. So I like goal saved above average. If you follow me throughout the season, I'm going to mention that stat. I know I talked about it when I was talking about Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight. I'm going to talk about it here too. So yeah, five of the top eight goaltenders and goal saved above average two weeks into the season. They all come from the Metropolitan Division. Igor Shosturkin is number one for the Rangers. 5.51. Ilya Sorokin coming off a really good weekend is third for the Islanders, 4.80. Freddie Anderson is having a great start in Carolina. Tonight, he has his revenge game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. He has 4.15 goals saved above average. He's looking really good for Carolina. That's a gamble that they took, and early returns are trending in the positive direction. Tristan Jari is seventh, and Elvis Merz-Lincolns of Columbus is eighth. So that's five. What starting goalies am I, am I missing there? Carter Hart in Philly. Mackenzie Blackwood in New Jersey. Which they also had Nico Dawes come out and play extremely well in his first game. So we'll see how that happens in New Jersey and how that goes. And I'm missing one more. I'm racking my brain really quickly. Oh, either of the Washington Capitals goalies. Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov. There were question marks about them to start the season, but so far, so good. They've looked good in every game they've played, pretty much. So the Metropolitan Division is off to a raucous start to this season. I questioned whether or not they could send five teams to the playoffs again because of the depth of the Atlantic Division. I mean, Toronto so far has been abysmal. Montreal, I mean, thank goodness they got a win because it was getting a little scary in Montreal. Those two teams were expected to be good. Tampa struggling a little bit. I mean, kind of a a back-to-back cup hangover. I wouldn't hold it against them. But as of right now, the Metropolitan Division is trying to make a statement early in the season, and the statement is, we are the superior division in the NHL. So far, so good. Can they hold on to that? I don't know. It's only two weeks, guys. I'm not saying, well, this division is so much better. This division holds the Stanley Cup champion, whoever comes out of this division, because more often than not, the best division does not produce the best team. And by the best team, I mean the Stanley Cup champion, because usually they they eat each other up. So we'll see if that happens to the Metro this year. Early returns are good. But there are other teams that I like. I mean, I, I'd love to see what the San Jose Sharks have been doing. Eric Carlson has a really good start to the season. I already mentioned Andre Kopitar on my last episode. The start for the Minnesota Wild has been fun. There's a lot of good storylines across the NHL. We're just getting started here. Still in late October. We haven't even ended the first kind of half month of the season. So there's plenty of hockey to be played. 
It's a lot of fun to be had. And we're just getting started. I'm going to read down through the NHL slate for Monday night. Simply because, I mean, you guys have all, all heard the results of that. But looking at this slate, obviously I'm going to tune into Maple Leafs Hurricanes. The fact that they have David Ayers there as the, the siren sounder to start the game. Just another slap in the face to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Not that they didn't have enough of that already. The St. Louis Blues, you will know by now if they're 5-0. and They've shocked me to start the season as well. And there was one other team that was 4-0-0. And I don't have them here. Ah, the, the Carolina Hurricanes. Wow, I already talked about it. So we'll see if they can get to 5-0-0. It's going to be a great season. There's going to be times where we see different divisions shine over a two-week period. But as of right now, the Metropolitan Division is clearly best, the best division. Again, as of right now. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate everybody that hits that download button. I appreciate everybody that just hits the play button, to be completely honest. But if you really liked this episode and if you like this podcast, do me a favor and subscribe. Do me a favor and download them so I know where you're listening from. And also, if you like it enough, share it with your friends. We're here to have fun. We're here to talk hockey. Thank you for tuning into the Hockey Hotbed. I'll see you on Friday with my three stars of the week and probably some more Coast to Coast with Nick Berlansky. That's it. Have a good week, hockey fans. See ya.